0: So today my guest is Mark Gagnon. He's been already on SMART, uh, smart branding, but in a written form. So I'm, I'm really excited to have him here. He's also known as the naming guy. So we have a lot to talk about. Thank you for making the time for a second time now in Audio Mark. It's wonderful to have you with us.
1: Great to be here, Tatiana. Thanks for asking.
0: So let's start with my classic first question. Give us a little bit of a background. Who are you?
2: What do you do? How did you get into naming?
1: Sure. Uh, I'm Mark Gunion, and that's G-U-N-N-I-O-N. You can find my webpage at gunion.com. And I am a namer. I am a full-time, flat-out professional namer. I've been doing it for 27 years now. Wow. And um, what I do is I deal with... Um, Uh, clients and agencies around the world who need a new name for their product or company or service or website or whatever. And what I do is I work with um, the branding people at those uh, companies. Um, And uh, basically, they hire me on a per project basis. And uh, I create big lists long lists of name ideas based on their briefs they pick their favorites and then i do a a pretty solid three-stage screening for availability on their favorites it's not a legal screen because i'm not a lawyer Mm -hmm. but i i can save them a lot of legal fees by checking out publicly accessible uh, resources uh and um Sometimes they want me to chime in and give my opinion too, and I can do that, but uh, I am very focused in my job in doing the creative part of of name creation.
0: And I, I see you were or still are a screenwriter?
1: That's true. Well, that's a we have to call that a hobby at this point because okay. I have I've only made a couple grand doing that. I have not yet uh, broken through as a screenwriter, but I have been writing feature screenplays since uh, 2015 and I just finished my ninth. So, uh, I'm still swinging on that one, but uh I will ha- we have to call that a hobby when we talk to the IRS at this point because I have <laughs>
0: No, I do think that there is kind of a relation, you know, you, you have to be good with words if you're into naming, so.
1: And not just that, but in the current world of screenwriting and, and just screenwriting as a discipline in general, it's like naming and like poetry in that it's mm-hmm. all about compression. It's all about how much meaning can you fit in how small of a space. Mm-hmm. Um, because the pressures on screenwriting are are, are terrible as far as like, uh, how much time you get to put it across, and how much attention of the reader you get. So it's a it's a mm. similar it's a similar skill, actually. Mm.
0: I like the the way you put it. Um. In that you like have to take as much meaning as you can put it in as small of a space, if you like figuratively, well, and literally speaking, if we're talking about names.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, before uh, before I began naming. Uh, my main credit was I was a lyricist. I was a songwriter mm. and, and lyricist. And uh, that's a similar kind of thing uh, where mm. you try to make, you know, you try to tell a whole, a whole chapter of a story in, in just one line all the time. And so uh, when I first started naming uh, when I was looking for work, and I would send out uh, cold emails to agencies looking for work, I would always tout my uh, experience as a lyricist as as mm-hmm. a qualification, since I hadn't named anything yet. I had named all my bands and and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> well, that's,
2: but, uh, yeah, I, I had some how, no experience.
0: How did that come across? Because even today, I think you know, naming it expert namer, it's getting a bit more popular, I would say, but at least in my experience and before I got into domain names um, and, and branding, I was in marketing and IT and it's always been like in the majority of cases, people feel like that's something that either is not important enough to hire somebody or they feel like, of course, I can come up with a name, you know, the it's my company or my product.
1: I named my kid. I named my pet. How hard can it be? There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's, I was lucky. Uh, Because it was uh, uh, 1996 and I was in San Francisco and the tech boom was just getting building and just starting to roll out of Northern California, just south of San Francisco. And so San Francisco, with all of its ad agencies and everything, was one of the first global hotspots, really, for the naming business. So Hmm. I was... I was at home in my, uh, 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 it was at that time it was my listening room. I had all my albums and I was just down there listening to the radio and um, I'm listening to NPR and I heard a, an interview with a woman on the radio. And it was one of these uh, radio shows about, you know, cool new jobs, you know, or exciting, weird, weird jobs. And mm-hmm. she was a namer. She uh, described herself as a namer. And talked about the job a little bit. And uh, I knew instantly, I knew, oh, I could do that job. I could definitely do that job. And uh, it was a wonderful woman. Her name is Andrea Michaels. She's still a namer. Um, and uh, she was in the phone book. I called her up and she was just fantastically generous with me and gave me all kinds of advice about the agencies that she worked for and how she got started. And so the next day, I just, I put together a, a jazzy little a cold email, and I started emailing the agencies. And at that time, there were half a dozen companies, uh, branding agencies, but a couple of them were actually uh, straight up naming companies in the Bay Area, in San Francisco, that I could write to directly. And within a week, I had I had jobs. And uh oh. At the time, when I was a songwriter, I was a, I was a performing musician, too, in bands. And the first job I got naming something, the paycheck was twice as much as I'd ever made from any gig ever. And I was like, <laughs> That's the business for me. And so, uh, so I got right wow. into it and I've been doing it ever since.
0: Very cool. How does it work? Um so i'm 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 kind of trying to draw a parallel in for example with domain names usually when people get to talk to me it's after they've got it wrong already like yeah. they've you know didn't think it's important so they can do it themselves didn't want to spend money whatever the reason it just it went wrong and after that you know they they come and try to fix it how does it work with with naming and if we were to expand that a little bit as a Form of advice to to people like when is the right time to look into somebody like you?
1: Yeah, uh, it's it's as you probably know. Uh, I mean, the people are more sophisticated these days than they were in in 1996 about it. But especially early on, um, the the job of a namer and a domain namer, as you know. Um, kind of happened because there was an artificial choke point in the tech economy that was created when they decided that the web would be driven by domain names. And so once they decided that the way you would find a web page is by using, you know, the 26 characters of the English language, essentially, that created an artificial uh, 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 narrowing of usage of words and names to describe mm. a company, right? So suddenly there was a premium on those and there was competition for them. It used to be if you named your new uh, you know, your new widget that you were only going to sell in your county, mm-hmm. uh, could dream up a name and use it. But since the 90s now, people would first thing they would do is go online and Google it and look. And so mm. uh and that you would find out that you know, it was in use five places around the world. It was a tea house here and it was a car there and it was, you know, a, a men's club uh, in, in <laughs> Budapest or something. So, <laughs> so those forces created the job. And and so uh, people, entrepreneurs and founders have have learned now in time that there is that, um, um, a high, it is high stakes and they have learned that that it's something they have to think about. But still, to this day, uh, uh, people don't realize how scarce uh, and how much competition there is around mm-hmm. the idea of a name. And so, I mean, uh, so often, especially with something techie or with engineers, they've had an in-house name that they've used mm-hmm. the whole during the whole development process. And then they get right up to where they're going to debut it. And they start filling out the legal forms. And some lawyer says, are you sure you can have that? Or somebody finally,
2: you
1: mm. up, and they find out, even though they've announced their debut date, they boom, they suddenly realize they, they need a name that's available. And so, all you know, as you probably know, too, the time pressure is a very regular thing uh, for people in our job. Uh, that people are definitely in a hurry, and in fact, many things are waiting for the right name. You know, like you can't invest mm. in a trademark, you can't incorporate until you have a name, and so mm. it's it's not uncommon at all for people to be in a huge rush uh, uh, to uh, uh, by the time they get to you and me. So uh, uh, I find that a lot of times that that people have now, of course, people are more sophisticated about it now and more experienced, plus people, I think, start Googling their name idea a lot earlier, finding out, Mm. and then they start pulling their hair out because, (laughs) as you know, practically every English word, every, these days, almost every Latin word uh, Mm. in Italian or Japanese uh, is owned by somebody. Now, it may not be in use,
2: Mm.
1: and, and we have found now, especially with the maturing of the business, that a huge percentage of those names are taken but they're not in use they're owned by somebody mm-hmm. and and there's people uh, like you who may have a bunch on the shelf that they are you know hoping to sell there's also people who just casually have picked up names in the course of their business and own them but aren't using them and mm-hmm. so there's now a huge gray area of what's available and what's not and so People need some expert consultation a lot of times about how mm. to get a name, uh, what is really available, and what is uh, what is on the table for them to pick up.
0: Mm. Absolutely, and I, I do. Um, as you as you said, the the that a lot of a lot of I guess every company, every team, when they as soon as you start working on something, you have to call it something. Uh, and it, it's funny because it kind of I had a flashback on the. Um, a time when when I used to have an IT company and and we would work like on software or different projects and you'd have people coming up with ideas and like I'm gonna do this and it's gonna do that and it's gonna do this and uh, you know we're talking about like functionality and everything changes as soon as you give it a name like yeah. it's almost like the team is not a team until it has a name like it, you have people talking and everybody pulling in their direction there's no personality to to to, there's no vision to that idea. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why I got into domaining as brand assets and also, you know, as part of that, as, as, of that process.
1: Um, it happens all the time that figuring out the name for a product, especially a tech product, is the first time that the different engineers and the different administrators all have to take a step all the way back until they can mm. see the whole thing, you know, and imagine that product out in the marketplace. They, mm. You know, a software engineer so often is so focused on the one piece of wood in front of them. They've got a chop. Uh, they've, they've worked on that for, you know, 10 months and are such a specialist. And then naming, figuring out the name of your company makes the executives and the engineers and everybody really uh, look at their product, maybe for the first time, as holistically and as and as remotely as possible. That is, they have to really consider the whole thing and where it's going to fit into the culture and fit into the market. And so it's interesting sometimes just to bring those mm-hmm. people around and, and say, oh, well, you know, what what countries are you going to be – working in you know and absolutely you know it, it, it really it oftentimes make people think about their whole product for the first time
2: mm,
0: absolutely and yeah let's talk about that what are the considerations that you have when when choosing a name and I, i'm sure that a lot of times as you just said you know what are the countries that like people oftentimes think of you know that's my product and and they don't think Ahead or much ahead. Sometimes it's just because they're so excited about it and that they don't have that, you know, uh vision about how it can evolve in the future. Sometimes it's because they just don't want to dare to think, you know, that might be global one day, you know, that might be there in fifteen years. But yeah, what are the considerations that you take into account when coming up with a name?
1: Well, there's there's lots of considerations, of course, and um uh the size of your market or your potential market is, is a, always a big one, of course, when we're talking about language. Um, uh, sometimes, you know, uh, when you're thinking that you're just going to be an American product and you, you don't anticipate uh, it crossing over even into other English speaking countries, if it's going to be Australian or British or something like that, where you'll find a market um, which is easier. But if you plan from the beginning to be a global market, to be a global product, or at least to have that potential, uh, or if you're an importer-exporter type, uh, a, a country that even if your main market is in an English-speaking uh, a world, your suppliers may be uh, uh, from other countries and so on. And so the name mm. has to work in in that avenue as well. Uh, something I always tell people is that The name can't, the name doesn't have to do everything, but it has to do a few jobs really well. Mm. Um, You know, a lot of times people think that their name needs to carry their entire value proposition, or it has to be like their quarterly report, or uh, it has to be uh, an entire uh, elevator pitch or something packed into the name. But that's not what a name really has to do. A name has to do a few things. It has to work. In communication, when you say it on the phone, does the person you're talking to know exactly what mm. you said? Can they write it down and spell it right the first time? Um, it has to differentiate you from your competition. That is, it can't sound like just another uh, mm-hmm. app where you drop a letter out of the ER or something like that. Um, and it's, and in a way, and so those are the essentials. And then the, the then there's the magic part then there's the emotional part it has to have some Mm. component that works for the founders or the 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 people working at the company on a on an aesthetic level it has to be in a way i tell i tell ceos that the name the new name of your company is going to be like a big abstract painting that sits across from your desk. You're going to look at it and look at it and see it every day. It is going to be in your face. There's nothing else you will spend money on that you will use as often as the name, not even the front door of your shop Mm. used as many times a day as the name. It's going to be on your business card and your t-shirts and in your email address and your commercials. It's just going to be everywhere. So you have to love it a little bit. And mm. so uh, there are technical considerations. Of course, if if we're selling, if, if a big market for a product is going to be in China, there are certain letters you don't want to include in it because the language doesn't use those letters very often. Mm. Um, if it's, or if it's going to be, if it's a name that depends on some visual pun, uh, mm. that may not be, work as well. If, if it's a product that's only going to be, that is only spread by word of mouth, you know, uh, mm-hmm. promoted that way. So the marketplaces that you're going into is important and will have technical implications for the name itself. And then there's the universal things that everybody wants. It's got to be easy to say and easy to spell. It's got to be memorable uh, and of course the, there are always pressures, uh, to make a name short, you know, very, it's, it's very rare for somebody to come and say, I need a really long name for this, you know? Mm. Uh, so there's always that pressure. And as you know, in the domain world, um, a four letter domain, uh, is inherently more valuable than a 10 letter domain in almost every case. Right. Mm. Um, so so those are some of the technical considerations but that emotional aesthetic element can't be underrated either because that is Mm. such a big experience of 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 a name is how it feels in your head Mm.
0: absolutely and it goes with with the whole like story and so everything you're gonna build around it for you know the lifetime of that brand
1: yeah yeah When, when you're uh, when you build up a logo, uh, when you add a tagline, uh, mm. you know, a whole construction, a whole, a whole apparatus gets attached to a name. And, uh, if it's a name that means one thing in English to most of your clientele, but is like some, you know, shocking, uh, profanity in German or Russian or something, mm. uh, then, uh, uh, well, depending on, on uh, where you are now, uh, that can, uh, uh, there's a cost, you know, there is a, there's, mm. and that's, and that's, there are specialists, of course, <clears throat> you know, well, I'm sure, um, there are specialists in checking the implications of a given name in other languages, mm. and, uh, but sometimes you can. Sometimes even that can be hard to communicate. I remember I worked at an agency once, and um, there was a name they were considering, and they were running the shortlist by a a, a, a person from a very devout uh, religious country where the, mm. the entire country had a kind of a religious base, and uh, this person was afraid to tell us. The meanings of some of the words, like the slang meanings and the, the street meanings, really? <laughs> they thought we'd be offended by them even discussing it. You know, um, <clears throat> so you need somebody who's going to tell you the truth and who's going to be direct when you're when you're working with language, because you know our intention is not to shock or anything like that. But mm. uh, it's it's hard to know. Uh, um, the down all the way out in the world how your name is mm, going to
0: be. especially now yeah with, with with the internet it is so like everything goes so fast and information is so accessible and travel so quick it's uh it makes that really hard to anticipate all the possible ways you know something can go not to mention that in time you know language changes so right. yeah right thing and, that's, and, things that things that yeah
1: and not just information is accessible, but disinformation is is accessible mm. too. I have some clients who who want to run all their finalists like by the Urban Dictionary online. Well, the mm. Urban Dictionary is not an authoritative thing. It's you know people individuals post things to Urban Dictionary, so they can just be making mm. fun of their little brother or something and saying you know oh Billy that means toilet ah ha ha and then. You know, <laughs> yeah. And looks at him says, "Oh, I'm being spoiled. So sometimes you have to weed out the the data from the the disinformation mm. too, and that's uh, you know sometimes yeah. it's worth the fight, and sometimes you just have to let them go. Sometimes. So <laughs>
0: Yeah, unfortunately that's, that's the case. Let's talk about domain names a little bit. So you have, you just said you have Ganyan.com. Um, I saw you have MarkGanyanNames.com. You have uh, Mark Ganyan as well. What are your thoughts on domains? And I'm really curious because I ask everybody, but like you've been in naming since 1996. I don't even know where I was in 1996. So <laughs> you, <laughs> you've been like in that whole you know, space for so long. So you've seen from, you know, before, I guess domain names were that important and through different, you know, ups and downs. And um, I kind of learned that history backwards. Obviously I've been, you know, using the internet and domain names and all that, but more of um, in a in a way that I wasn't involved in that. So I would, you know, like I've been hearing things, of, oh, you know, I know search engines are going to kill domain names and social networks are going to kill domain names. And, and then, with you know, 35 years of internet later, they still matter. And and I'm sure you're right. aware, like domain names, like that are selling literally, you know, for, for hundreds and thousands and millions, like yeah. all the time. So in terms of yeah, where you stand, uh, your thoughts and your considerations on where where do you see domain names
1: today? Mm-hmm. Well, this is something where, where your your uh, incentives and mine might diverge a little bit. Because uh, early on, uh, as a neighbor, I hated domain names. <laughs> I hated people who warehouse the names and had them, right? Because I was thinking, oh, I can't get that because somebody's sitting on it. But I, I came to understand that domainers play a really important role now in the business because you create a market, and the market eventually will settle on 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 a reality. And hmm. so now I'm glad that there are so many uh, domainers out there because you know the price of a domain name has has kind of reached a level. There is a you know, of course, a single word can still go for. Uh, millions of the, literally millions of dollars but for a, a new coinage or an exotic language or a double barrel you know two words stuck together mm. the prices of, of of domain names have settled in a range like you know between one thousand and five thousand dollars there's a huge number of warehouse names names that are available uh and so that's very valuable um of course not every product in the whole world needs its own exact match.com mm. domain name uh and so i tell people all the time that um they need to pick the right name first and then we'll mm. build the domain name um and and i have you know in fact i have mentors who who are strong believers one of them nancy friedman uh, who's a strong believer that building the domain name is one more chance, one more opportunity to build and extend your brand. Um, If gunyon.com is taken, you know, uh, call Gunyon or ask Gunyon or Mm -hmm. GunyonMate or GunyonKnows.com. Obviously adding that word to the brand word greatly increases your chances of availability but also she sees it and advises that it's a positive thing. It's just another look, another way for you to extend your brand, help define it uh, and even make it memorable what you do.
2: Um, Mm.
1: So uh, not, so that's a a couple of important things there. Not everything needs its exact mesh.com. Plus, as I'm sure you know, um, in the last five years, especially maybe because of the, uh a scarcity of so many names that people the audience the, the the consumer world has become more sophisticated to the fact that there might be something to the right of the dot other than mm. com you know mm-hmm. and there's a lot more acceptance of dot uh, io for example and dot ai now uh and you know dot net and dot org and so on and with their shades of meaning um, so, uh, the audience is more sophisticated, but also I, it's another thing I tell clients is that, um, you don't want to choose your name just because you can get the exact com mm. because who knows five years from now, like you said, they've been telling us for 20 years that, you know, uh, the, the, the com is fading and then something else will take its place. But, you know, it could well happen very soon that, Five years from now, it may be that people do all their searching verbally with their computers, you know, and just say, uh, uh, where is the Premier Theater schedule for tonight? Instead of, you know, assuming mm. it's premiertheater.com or premier.com. So there's always that possibility. And so that's a reason not to hang your entire branding uh, uh, initiative on the availability of a dot-com and so you can always tell when a company has named itself because the dot-com was available you know when you see some mangled spelling Mm -hmm. or some terrible pun or just something just just an ugly word uh you know you know it's because the dot-com was available that's how they got there and that's uh Mm -hmm. You know, I think I think in a consumer that makes you just trust the company a little bit or or think less of them if they made that compromise <laughs> at the very beginning. Yeah. Of
0: no, that, uh, that's a good point. It's a compromise and I, I, I very much agree with you um, on a few things there. One is that the mainers, I think, the, the whole domaining market is hugely misunderstood and um, I kind of got to where you got to um, eventually even before I started working in it but more so when I started working in that space is that the reality is if there weren't um, and it's not just domain investors domain investors are part of it but as you mentioned earlier there's a lot of uh, individuals that register the name thinking they're going to do something with it and they didn't or they had a company that failed or products that, you know, never, whatever, or or so many reasons that people get to the minute and they hold on to it because, you know, they have their reasons. Um, and a, and a, in a way, I think it, um in a way, it keeps those names for somebody who has proved their business idea, their brand, their you know, they, they see it's working and now they can invest whatever that domain name costs
2: right. instead of,
0: and, and it's still available because otherwise yeah. it would be, yeah. And as you just mentioned, there, there are different levels now of domain names available depending on their desirability, I guess is the, you know, common common thing there that are available to different uh, levels of development of, of companies. And I completely agree with you. And that's what the advice that I give to, to people oftentimes, because I, I work with domain names that are like um really sought after and valuable. And obviously, a lot of time people can't afford those. Um, my advice is to to think about you know a name that works for them, regardless of, of the domain name, see how it works, and then Obviously, if it works, eventually the price of that domain name is not going to be a problem, um, or or you know that they can, as you said, add different words, and then as they grow into the brand, decide you know how to go about it in the future. But yeah. Even Elon um,
1: musk you know Tesla was found at teslamotors.com. Tesla Motors
0: it was for 11 years or more yeah, i think until yeah. he
1: finally had the budget where he could he could get tesla.com and so uh Facebook
0: is the same facebook was the facebook i mean we have like a whole bunch of stories like that of smart branding uh of companies that you know get their right domain name once they are established and and the reality is that you know those names are desirable um, and that dictates the evaluation very much like real estate, you know, you don't open a business and go and get yourself, you know, top spot on I, whatever. i square. <laughs> exactly.
2: Sure.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, they are like addresses in the marketplace mm-hmm. and uh, it's not unusual to, uh, to change addresses and uh, uh, I think the consumers are are hip to that and understand uh, even when it needs to change you know if it's making Mm. the brand sleeker and easier to communicate that's not unusual and people understand that
0: Mm. yeah and it, it does i mean i do feel it communicates um like you said, when when you're making, if if I try to formulate it as an advice to our listeners, when you're making a choice, that is a compromise. So obviously, you can't get the exact brand match.com. You're gonna go for a compromise. I loved your suggestions earlier with with Ganyan. You know, ask Ganyan or Ganyan knows. You can make it fun. It does still communicate. Okay, we couldn't get the com, but it it does say we we you know we're fun, we we know what we're doing, we're on the right track, et cetera. And so one day if you upgrade, let's say, to Ganyan.com, people are gonna be, yeah, I knew, you know, that's cool. They're gonna feel like, and there's some great examples of companies that do that, that, you know, they start with a fun added name that is, you know, still good on its own without matching the domain name. And then they upgrade and they make people feel like part of that success in that process. And I love that, that's, that's really cool. Yeah
2: yeah
1: i've have um uh, i was uh what was i maybe uh 35 i guess uh, by the time i started in the business but even then there were people who had been branding experts and and really uh knew a lot more about the entire branding business than i did when i first got in and so um uh, I've, I've, I was lucky and picked up a lot of knowledge uh, from uh, people who were at big companies doing it uh, when I came in. Used to be, this is a this is a flashback for you. Uh, in '96, the first uh, company I worked for called Metaphor Name Consultants. It was a full-on naming company that uh, you know was benefiting from being close to Silicon Valley. In those days, the The first day of a naming project, when we got our brief, there would be 10 of us sitting around a conference table in downtown San Francisco. And there'd be the the lady from Metaphor, and there'd be a couple people from the end client. And then there would be seven or eight namers sitting there at the table. We would get the brief all at once. Sometimes we would do an exercise, you know, covering a wall with Post-it notes and so on. But then we would all be sent home for a week. Then we would reconvene back at that table a week later with the clients and the agency and all the namers. And each of us would read through our entire printed out on paper list. Uh, of, uh, you know, there were no laptops on the table except maybe the client sometimes. <laughs> and we would actually, we would have to bring physical copies for everybody there. And we would pass them <laughs> all out. And, you know, we would actually read through. I mean, it sounds like You know, sounds like I'm talking about the 1800s or something. (laughs) But that was just 1996, so that's how far the the business has come these days. I haven't I haven't left the house to go to a briefing in 15 years, probably. Uh, (laughs) it's now 100% remote, and since and since uh, the pandemic, of course, it's now zoom calls Mm. but i ran the i ran my company exclusively uh by email for a decade there and and now it's all uh now it's all zoom calls so who knows you may be having my hologram of me on your Mm. (laughs)
2: desk
0: that might be next thing Yeah. yeah yeah i i think my favorite so far is the zoom phase over the pandemic where like you're talking to people and and you all like know you have you know your smart like top and and then like under that you're like in your underwear or something that's that's so funny and it's happened to to me actually (laughs) Oh dear! I just came back from the shop and it's the evening here so I had to dress. but it's it happened to me like when I'm when I'm you know when I'm doing my training like I'm running and I, I come back if I have a call earlier I'm like in my running shorts and everything just change my top or whatever Ooh. I had one time a guest who I think he just forgot he was in his underwear but he, <laughs> he literally got up and walked around and I'm like oh my god I'm just don't laugh don't make a sound <laughs>
1: And I'm surprised <laughs> that my one of my two cats is not coming to visit. This happens to me a lot. We're in the middle of the conversation. A cat uh, on my lap. <laughs> <and a tail laughs> I don't
0: know. I have a cat somewhere here. Actually, the cat is I have a puppy as well, and he's uh, the, the, the more trouble trouble one. He oh my god, he ate like just before the call. I had to wash him because he Chewed uh, pen, multicolored pen. So they're, they're, they're like, they there they like there was like colors, and I'm like I'm like oh my god, I need to wash that quickly, but I still wanted to take pictures of it because it's funny. It's just crazy. <laughs>
2: that's yeah.
1: a, a modern world.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and that's why. I try to have the podcast within thirty minutes because then we start talking about cats and dogs. <laughs>
1: way, <Anyway>, Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I
0: just know. I just know how it goes. <laughs> well, oh,
1: thanks. That's been, been very interesting. Uh,
0: absolutely. Uh, absolutely, it's been it's been fun fun talking to you too. We we're gonna include all the links so, so that people can reach you um, if if they need naming something, uh, and yeah, it's been an absolute an absolute pleasure.
2: Great.
1: Great. Well, thanks, Talia, and uh, best of luck uh, with your enterprise. You keep establishing that market out there, and uh, the price is up. That'll keep us both in business. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Thank you.